Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with Stuart Willey and Laura Cook. Today we hear how the conflict in Gaza isn't close to being over as the fighting rages on. Fighting in Gaza has seen one of the deadliest nights of the war. The Hamas-led Gaza Health Ministry says 250 Palestinians have been killed in the past 24 hours. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has warned the military offensive will intensify in coming days and the war is not close to being over. We are not stopping. Whoever talks about stopping, there is no such thing. The war will continue until the end, until we finish them, no less. But Noga Tarnopolsky is a journalist in Tel Aviv and has told us what he said is being disregarded by Israelis as public opinion is still turning against him. His words were unclear. He didn't announce and he hasn't at any point announced specific achievable aims for the war or what would constitute the end of at least this part of an active fighting in the war against Hamas. And so it was um, received in Israel as just kind of more words and no one understands exactly where this is aiming to. The PM's comments come as the United States and other allies pressure Israel to reduce the intensity of fighting to avoid civilian deaths. A UN humanitarian team leader has described the situation as a human chessboard with civilians moving to seek safety. days ago, we told you about how the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi has been accused of eroding democracy and wanting to establish one-party rule with his right-wing Hindu nationalist government. This all comes after his government passed laws this week without scrutiny from the opposition after a record 141 opposition MPs were suspended. But we didn't have time to tell you about another divisive development that's been championed by right-wing Hindus affiliated with his ruling Bharatiya Janata Party. The issue of Muslim mosques being built on or near Hindu temples has long been polarising in a country where the majority of the 1.4 billion population are Hindu with Muslims comprising 200 million. Now, Hindus who want to turn a 17th century mosque in Mr Modi's constituency into a temple have achieved a significant victory, with a court throwing out Muslim demands to block the move. Campaigners are targeting another 3,000 mosques. Here's Amrit Dillon, the Times contributor in New Delhi. This is a very complicated issue. It goes back centuries, but essentially... There are some right-wing uh, Hindu groups affiliated with the BJP and sections of the BJP who feel that when the Muslim invaders conquered India over 300, 400 years, that they demolished Hindu temples and built mosques on them, either on the ruins of the temple or near it. There is a feeling that amongst these groups that we need to undo that. And uh, the latest case that you're talking about uh, in Varanasi, the Gyanbapi Mosque, there local groups have filed petitions in the court saying that this was originally a Hindu temple. Now, Muslim groups in Varanasi uh, argued against this. Just yesterday, the local court dismissed all the Muslim petitions 
And so now the case will proceed. And of course, with a general election next year, uh, the BJP in the past has uh, tried to leverage these sorts of issues to incite passions and consolidate the Hindu vote. Now, a bit more history is needed here, though, because the controversy over the location of the mosques dates back to 1992, when a Hindu mob destroyed the Babri Masjid Mosque in Ayodhya, saying it was on the site of a destroyed Hindu temple. After a very, very long court case, the site was handed over to the Hindus. And next month, work will begin on a new Ram temple there, just in time for a general election. Mr Modi has said the construction of this Ram temple is an example of India rebuilding its symbols of its culture and faith, specifically meaning Hindu faith and culture, of course, despite India being a secular state, values enshrined in the country's constitution. It's an inflammatory situation in a country where Muslims already feel undermined, but may well win more votes from the BJP's Hindu base. It's the time of year where we often take stock and look back at the last 12 months. All this week we'll be hearing from Times correspondents all about the stories that stuck with them. With us now on The World in 10 is The Times World Affairs editor Catherine Philp, a voice you often hear on this podcast speaking to us from some of the world's conflict zones and beyond. Hi Catherine. Hi Stuart. You began this year reporting from Ukraine At that point, it was less than a year since the Russian invasion. And it's a story you've gone back to again and again. What's really stuck out for you spending time in that country? I think the roller coaster of um, moods and emotions that have swept across the country during the span of what is now going on for nearly two years of war. When I went there before the invasion began, there was a sort of sense of disbelief that this could happen, a, a sense of denial that the, the invasion could happen. And then in the last year, I went back for the anniversary of the war. And, you know, it was a very different Ukraine by that point, very, um, still very defiant, very, uh, they were preparing for uh, an offensive to take back, to, with the aim of taking back the territory that the Russians had taken. And in fact, they were... At, at the point of the anniversary, they were concerned the Russians were going to renew their push and try again at Kyiv. Um, obviously, as we come to the end of the year, you know things have changed over the last year. And when I was last back there, it was when the uh, um, Ukrainians were attempting to go on the offensive against the Russians. And that wasn't going so well. And, and really, they came up against a very heavily embedded enemy. And I think there's a, you know, kind of a sort of defiant weariness setting in and obviously great concern in Ukraine about whether they will continue to get the West support. Ukraine's defiance in the face of the invasion astonished all of us and led to the West giving a lot of support. I think that the, the, the mood, you know, we arrive at at the end of the year is one of quite a lot of fear and trepidation about the future and whether the West will stay with them. This year you also returned to Iraq, uh, marking 20 years since the end of Saddam Hussein and the start of that conflict. This was another conflict where there was a lot of hope and then defiance at the beginning. How do the Iraqis you met feel now, a couple of decades on? What I really wanted to look at was, you know, had 
the original project of uh, establishing a democracy in the wake of Saddam Hussein, how, how that actually panned out. And the truth is not well at all. But I was more interested in, well, why? You know, what are the reasons that a lot of people spoke about the system that had been bequeathed to them by the American invasion, which was a what we call a confessional system, where you have people represented by their um, ethnic and religious groups, and that's how they are uh, represented in government. And that was seen to be a great failure, especially amongst the young, because it, it, it embedded this system that they now can't get rid of, and they want to see themselves as Iraqis. That's why this protest movement had begun and been very scantily covered in the West. And also on a personal level, I'd never been to Iraq in 20 years at a time where I was able to sit out in an outside cafe and watch the world go by and not be concerned that as a foreigner I would be targeted, you know, as a foreigner for kidnap or even by just, you know, a suicide bomb by the ordinary violence. So to me, that that's that was hopeful. And on tomorrow's World in 10, Catherine Philp is back discussing the conflicts in the West Bank and Gaza. And taking a few more minutes to look back as we're only days from seeing the end of 2023 and what a year in sport it's been. Head online to see how the Times chief sports photographer Mark Aspland has captured the past 12 months in unseen photos. Protesters, two football legends and a very unusual line out all seen through Mark's lens. There are scenes from some of the biggest moments in international sport, as well as moments from local fixtures too, something Mark poetically described as the sporting pyramid, a belief he has that all sports, at whatever level, should be showcased. Some really wonderful pictures in this gallery. Take a moment to have a look. Thanks for taking 10 minutes today to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow. 